0: Our sermon passage this morning, in the second Sunday of Christmas, is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I'll read that and then we'll pray together. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, may the words in my mouth and the meditations of our hearts this morning be holy and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Let us understand this word this morning that you have given us. This word from Matthew chapter 2. I pray that you would enliven our hearts to understand it and to apply it to our hands. That we may work the work of the gospel through our lives. I pray that you would bless our hearing, bless our understanding, but also grow our faith. In your son Jesus, whom was given to us as not only redemption from sin, but life everlasting. Through him we pray. Amen. Now James, if you remember we went through James a couple years ago, but James tells us that if we lack any wisdom, let us ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to us. Wisdom is a gift of the Spirit. Wisdom is something that is bestowed on those who trust in the Lord and who ask for it. Wisdom is a gift. Solomon tells us something similar. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Elsewhere he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge isn't everything. But it is a facet. Of wisdom. It is an aspect of wisdom. In fact, if you want to write down a definition of wisdom, wisdom is knowledge applied toward godliness. Wisdom is knowledge applied toward godliness. We know a lot of what we would think about in the world as wise people. There are many tech moguls, billionaires, politicians, experts, many people like that who have much knowledge about how the world works. But this knowledge does not equate to wisdom. Wisdom is a work of the Spirit. Hear the words of Solomon from Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. God prepares and stores wisdom for the righteous, and it is ready and willing to be given out to those who ask for it. He gives wisdom. To those who fear him. Wisdom is knowledge applied toward godliness. And this wisdom comes from God. This wisdom that comes from God. Leads to something. It leads to something. Just as godliness leads toward something. If you remember throughout the book of Proverbs. Lady wisdom. The personified wisdom here. Cries aloud from the street. Whoever listens to me will dwell safely. And will be secure without fear of evil. Wisdom leads to safety. Wisdom leads to life. Pride, on the other hand, leads to destruction. Pride uses knowledge for personal gain. True wisdom uses knowledge for the glory and the praise of one who gives it. There's a difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of Christ. And as we'll see, the wise men from the East were those who knew the scriptures and who feared the Lord. They used their knowledge and they used their expertise, even their vocations, for his glory and praise. And on the other hand, we have a whole other story. Herod used the scribe's knowledge for his own personal pride and use. His knowledge led to the death of many little boys of Bethlehem, and ultimately led to Herod's death. The wisdom of the wise men led them to not contribute to this foolish evil of men like Herod. Instead, they fled from evil. They did not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but delighted in the Lord. So you have this juxtaposition. The wise men who lead to life and the evil men who lead to death. The foolish men who lead to death. Now the wise men from the east were called wise for a reason... This is not something that's, uh, that's just said frivolously. that They were just somehow wise and God decided to make mention of their wisdom. They were wise for a reason. They were not only Gentiles who knew the prophecies of Israel well, meaning that they knew the Holy Scriptures well, but they were also astronomers. They were learned men. They knew the stars. Usually when we think of astronomers today, we think of Carl Sagan or... The grass Tyson, right? This pop astronomy where, oh, these are really cool balls of gas up in the air. They're meaningless. Don't you think that's awesome? These men, these wise men, were not like our astronomers. They knew that the stars were up in the heavens for a reason, not just to make us feel insignificant and small, but to guide our lives toward the king of heaven, toward the star of Jacob to come. These wise men were probably prominent and wealthy men in their particular nations. If they were seeking the company of a king when they approached to Jerusalem, not anyone could meet with Herod. Right? So they meet with the, this king of, of Judah, this Herod the Great, and they seek company with him to find out where Jesus is. So these were wealthy, powerful, and educated men, not just random guys with gold frankincense. And myrrh. You couldn't just come across those things in abundance. So they came to Jerusalem for a reason. They were seeking something or someone. And they say just as much. They asked Herod, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. King of the Jews. Now, this particular title would strike fear into the heart of Herod. And not only fear, but jealousy and envy. Again, these were powerful and wealthy rulers who were coming to Herod. But they weren't coming to Herod for Herod. They were coming to Herod for another king. They were looking beyond Herod. And Herod did not like this. They saw a star in the east, and this prompted their visitation. This is the star that Israel would have been waiting on. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, shows Balaam's prophecy to Balak. Listen to these words I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and batter the brow of Moab, and destroy all the sons of tumult. And Edom shall be a possession. Seer also, his enemies, shall be a possession, while Israel does valiantly. Out of Jacob one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. So a star is coming out of Jacob. A scepter is rising out of Israel. A king. This is what stars mean. They are rulers. They rule over the night, as we see in Genesis. So a new star, a new king, is coming out of Jacob and Israel. And Edom and Seir will be his possession. He will have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. Why is this important to Herod? Well, We have to remember something about King Herod. He was an Edomite. King Herod is Herod the Edomite. He is a descendant from Edom. And we hear in this prophecy from Numbers chapter 24, Balaam tells us, Edom shall be a possession. This was a direct threat to his authority and to his reign. This coming star, this coming scepter of Israel would come to have dominion over his enemies and destroy, and destroy the remains of the cities of men. And the wise men knew this. They knew that a new king was coming who would rule over all others, and they direct their question in that way. Where is the king of the Jews? That's like saying, I don't, I don't care about you, King Herod. Herod the Great. Let me see the real king. Let me see the one whom you will be possessed by. The wise men had their gaze upon heavenly things. They knew the scriptures, but unlike the scribes and the chief priests of Israel, or Judah... They believed them. They believed these scriptures. And this is where true wisdom comes from. True wisdom comes from above. From the wisdom who comes to his people. Wisdom incarnate. Jesus Christ our Lord. So Herod's response to this question. And ultimately this news of a new king that would come. Who would have dominion over him and over Israel. This question, this response... ...was born out of trouble and fear. He was afraid. He was afraid that he would lose his kingdom. Herod's first thought is to grab the chief priests and the scribes of Jerusalem. He wanted the church on his side in this new battle coming his way. And he knew that he already had the church in his pocket. He knew that already. Israel was not only occupied by Herod and his allies, meaning the Romans... But the leaders of Israel actually liked this arrangement. They wanted this. They loved this. They kept their power, or what they thought was their power. They had a good arrangement with the Romans. They didn't want to screw it up. In other words, they had become hirelings who aided and abetted the enemies of God. And in the book of Revelation, we see that Jerusalem is described as a great harlot who fornicated with the kings of the earth. You've heard the phrase that politicians are in bed with corporations or corporations in bed with politicians. In this particular case, the church in Jerusalem is in bed with the Roman Empire. Herod would try to use this relationship to his political advantage because he knew that he could. So the chief priests and scribes told Herod where this Christ would be born. Now notice that the wise men do not know the location of this Christ until after Herod calls them to tell them. The priests and the scribes quote the scriptures. They say, they quote from Malachi chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler, a star, who will shepherd my people Israel. So Herod calls the wise men to him. And he instructs them, according to this particular prophecy, to go to this child in Bethlehem and to bring back word to him that he might go and worship him. So find this child, tell me where he is, because I want to go and I want to worship him, right? Herod is using his knowledge to deceive godly men so that he might preserve his rule in Judah. Now this isn't some one-off political arrangement either. This isn't something that's uh, totally unique to the first century either. Every evil government tries to either destroy or control the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Why? Because they know that Jesus possesses or poses a direct threat to their aims and to their goals. In every atheistic, totalitarian regime on earth, the church was either co opted, government run denominations, or completely abolished. Think about China right now, right? You can only be a Christian through the sanctioned denomination. They have to have control or they completely abolish. This means that what we do here this morning in our worship to God, just like the worship that the wise men showed Jesus, is a political activity. And it poses a real threat to the evil regimes of the world. Why? Because we are meeting with the king of all kings and allying with a king whose aims are holy and good and who contradict the evil schemes of man. So like the wise men, we're asking the same question every Sunday morning. Where may we meet with the king? Where may we meet with the king? And for men and women who act like gods, like our government does, that is an insult to what they perceive as their authority and their rights. So Herod not only calls the wise men to him so that he might attempt to co-opt their visit with Jesus, but he calls them so that he can determine at what age Jesus would be be, so that he could determine, um, you know, who he should kill, right? How he can deal and better identify with his rival. And this was done, as we see later in the chapter, so that Herod could send his soldiers to murder this rival before he was old enough to pose a threat to his claim on the throne. Herod was so bloodthirsty and wicked that he would kill dozens, if not hundreds, of little boys to ensure his reign wasn't challenged. Aged two years and younger. This is what fools do. This is what foolish men do. The Proverbs say, In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride. And the mouth of the fool is a rod of pride. And Herod embodies this kind of foolishness. He finds that he is wise in his own eyes. But really he is a foolish brute who causes destruction. Proverbs 11.29 says, He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind. And the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. And this is precisely what is happening here in Matthew chapter 2. Herod is troubling his own house, his own people. He will go as far as to kill his own people. And he will inherit the wind of God's wrath and be made a servant to the wise of heart. God uses Herod's request to the wise men for his own honor and good. And as a result, God makes Herod a servant to the wise men. The wise men get their location of Jesus. They go visit him. And then the Lord speaks to the wise men and tell them not to go back to Herod, but to go to your own country. God used Herod as a servant to his plan. He is the king of all kings. And the contrast between the wise men and Herod could not be starker. One looks to heaven, the other to earth. One is motivated by faith and joy, the other by envy and pride. One leads to life, the other to death. And like Lady Wisdom in Proverbs, the star in the east cries out aloud to be followed. And she leads the wise men to the light life of the world. The Holy Scriptures spoke to these men. The Holy Scriptures told them where to look. And God used foolish men to lead them to Jesus. And then the Lord spoke to them in a vision to lead them away from the evil plans of evil men. But under all of this, under all of this, for the wise men, faith was the motivating factor in it all. Faith led them to Christ. And with this faith, they laid their treasures of the nations at his feet. Now just as an aside, there's been a lot of speculation about what these treasures mean. Right? Why did they bring these particular gifts? And I think there's, there's room for, for speculation on that we should wonder why they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's a good thing to wonder. Many have speculated that the gold represents Christ's kingship, that the frankincense represents his priesthood, and that myrrh is representative of his burial. It is true that gold is often a gift for kings in the Old Testament. We see the Queen of Sheba bringing gold to Solomon, for example. Frankincense, was used in the incense within the temple, which connects it to the priesthood. That seems logical as well. And myrrh was a common spice for burials. However, one thing we know for certain, that's all, that's all speculative and that's all interesting and we should think about those things. But one thing we know for certain is that these men gave the best gifts from what their nation produced. And that, that shouldn't go unnoticed. This shows how wisdom is worked out in the life of a believer. A wise man gives from what he has received. A wise man gives from what he has received. Or as Matthew Henry puts it, what God favors us with, we must honor him with. What God favors us with, we must honor him with. This shows humility and faith. We humbly give back to God what he has so graciously given to us. Because a wise Christian knows that all things come from him, through him, and are for him. So the wisdom of faith leads to humility, it leads to devotion to the Lord, it leads to us giving back our gifts unto God in worship. But that also means that it leads to unspeakable joy. By contrast, Herod's way leads to paranoia and uncertainty, to anxiety. But the wise men say when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They rejoice not only because the Savior of the world has come. They rejoice also because the joy of the world has come. And that joy isn't found in the riches of the nations. It isn't found in earthly treasures. That joy is found in the King who judges the world. In our great high priest who cleanses us of our sins. And in the great prophet who suffers and dies on our behalf. That is where joy is found. He is our treasure, He is our joy. And true wisdom leads to that great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now as I said last week, faith is an instrument that grabs hold of the promises of God in Christ. That's what faith is. Faith grabs hold of the promises of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And wisdom is the application of that faith. The placing of one's faith on the proper object. And using that faith for the proper ends. So it's one thing to know how the world works. There are many people who are smart, who are knowledgeable of how to, how to navigate the world, how to use it to their advantage, how to grow uh, their income, and how to amass a bunch of things. They know how the world works, and they're able to manipulate it toward their own ends. But it is quite another to know how the world works and then to direct your knowledge and efforts ...toward the proper ends. There is a difference there. That is wisdom. That is wisdom. Using the knowledge and how the world works... ...and how we understand the world... ...and using that toward the proper ends. That is, toward the glory and honor of Christ. So what does this mean for each and every one of us here? Now there are a couple ways we could go about this. We could approach this passage. One way, I'm, I'm sure you may have heard before is relating our own lives to either camp, right? You can be a Herod, or you can be a wise man. You know, we could do that. We could do that this morning if we wanted to. Am I acting like a Herod? Am I acting like a scribe? Or am I like the wise man? And that's fine as far as it goes. There's some truth to it. But it's not really the application of this passage. Because as Christians, as Christians, we are all given the mind of Christ. Christ. Wisdom is ours for the taking because true wisdom is found in the person of Jesus and he offers it freely to all those who ask him. So yes, we can live like Herod from time to time. We can try to cover our sins with deceit. We can try to work toward our own ends. And that does lead to judgment. It does lead to death. And you shouldn't do that. Don't be a Herod. But more importantly, we are told that wisdom is found through faith and righteousness. So if you want wisdom... There is only one way to get it. Trust the Lord and follow His ways. He is the source of wisdom. So like the wise men, we look toward the stars over Bethlehem. We look to where Christ is. And we, we travel there. We go there. The wise men understood the meaning of the scriptural prophecies. But they also looked expectantly for those prophecies to be fulfilled. The scribes and the chief priests knew the prophecies of the Holy Scriptures. But they weren't looking. They weren't looking with faith. And that's the difference. They looked for Herod's to bless them. They looked for earthly rulers to bring their salvation. They showed a lack of faith, which means they lacked wisdom. The wise Gentiles knew that the kings of the earth had no ultimate power. It's a blessing to receive a good king. It's a blessing to receive a good president, a good governor, a good official. Those are blessings. But they have no ultimate power. The king to come is the source of all blessings. And their lives are oriented around that hope. That's what faith looks like. And so we have to ask ourselves, is this true of us? Is this true of you? You know how the world works, maybe amassing knowledge in your vocations, knowledge in the home, knowledge of how the world works and how you can manipulate the world around you for good ends. That's good. That's not bad. You grow in understanding, in your hobbies, right? in your book studies, whatever it may be. But to apply that understanding toward Christ and His kingdom takes wisdom. And the only way to get that wisdom is through faith in the Son of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And a good understanding have all those who do His commandments. So we must fear the Lord and do His commandments. And this is because wisdom is a gift. The Lord promises it to those who fear Him and keep His commandments. If you love God, you will fear Him and keep His commandments. Solomon asked for wisdom so that he might judge the people of Israel. He had a good end for the use of that wisdom. But the point is that wisdom is granted. So to repeat the words of James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And this wisdom leads to life and joy and blessing beyond measure. So like the wise men, we are to look toward the heavenly life found in the person of Jesus Christ. Don't give in to the lie that there is another way to the good life. Don't give in to the lie that your simple plans can be covered by your false piety. That you can get away with whatever you're doing. The only way to the good life is to live wisely. To live by faith and to go to Christ. So ask the Lord for this wisdom. Trust him to provide it for you and do so liberally and without reproach. Seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added unto it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.